Hello, uh, today is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. It is 1.05 CST in the afternoon here in Southern Wisconsin. It is a brisk 32 degrees, which Brad, what is that in Celsius? It's a flat zero. Oh yeah, you're right. Here's one case where I do like the US system over the side of the US system because we get to say it's 32 degrees instead of zero. Uh, right. But I got back from my lunchtime walk, it's windy and cold out there. But today we're gonna be talking about mechanical uh, property testing and the trouble with dog bones and how our the parts that come out of the filament process are different from casting and machining. So first let's talk about the difference between filament solid, I mean, full metal parts and the parts that come from casting and machining. Okay. Um, yeah, people immediately, when they see our materials, they talk about 3D metal, everyone wants to relate it to casting, <clears throat> uh, milling, forging, lathe, that kind of a thing. And it's a little bit of a struggle. And our strategy that we've sort of chosen is to educate people to think about it a little bit differently. The problem with the dog bones is its shape. One of the, one of the methods of densifying our parts as they center as they need to get smaller. Um, when you print them, there's plastic between the metal particles, but as you hit it and remove it, it obviously leaves a void. Um, something needs to happen with that space. So what happens is um, surface tension will draw the whole object down, it'll shrink. And while shrinking, it can distort. And this is a, this is a struggle, not only with several types of 3D printing, but it, it applies in metal injection molding and, and things like that. So these aren't new problems, these actually go back decades. Um, the key problem with the dog bone is its shape. And I wasn't thinking, or I have one to hold up, but they're you know maybe eight inches long with wider tabs on each end. And then it's narrower in the middle so that it'll force it to break in the spot that you expect when they do the tensile test. Um, but what happens during sintering is those, the shoulders on the dog bone prevent it from uh, shrinking and densifying properly. So you wind up with a sort of like, sort of a artificially weak example. I do have one. Grab that. Okay. There's a you know there's a, a number of solutions. We were settling on more of a tensile bar than a dog bone, just a simpler shape to get people to where they want to be. Right. And during the century process, that would actually get, you know, probably a half inch shorter. And if you prevent it from getting shorter, it creates weak points. And that's where the breaks will always form. And the, the ends are kind of shrinking together and that refractory is holding those shoulders in place. So that middle shaft um, becomes the natural weak point. Right. And this is the go-to shape for everyone that tests our materials, and they all have essentially the same result. Um, so our technique or our strategy for management, managing it is to simply let it shrink or create a slightly different shaped part where it doesn't matter. So we've settled on 
more of a tensile bar than a dog bone. I think I might have one. Right. So the result is that when we do strength or tensile testing with that dog bone shape, it's not representative of the strength that's possible with this process. So we're getting data that really isn't um, representative of the kind of part properties that you can get from FFF metal. Yeah. And the key problem here is trying to make that relationship back to existing technologies. The, the way to the way going forward and the way I expect the industry to evolve is uh, designing for additive manufacturing. If you consider these properties in your design, they're pretty, you know, they're not difficult to overcome. Um, so, you know, so much of this goes back to education. And one of the strategies or a growing uh, development concept is generative design and the generative designs tend to work really well in uh, in, in the filament process they tolerate the shrinking and, and they just tend to work well so you're talking about one option and that is just to change the part shape right so we can go from uh, wider tabs narrower shaft if we just made this the same uh, width all the way across that's one solution. Yeah, that'd be fine. Another option is to change the test itself. Is there a different piece of equipment that would give us a good piece of data? Right. And then a third option is to change the end result. So um, I know that you're working on and in concert with our sintering partner, Sapphire 3D, are working on liquid phase sintering. Tell us about that. Right. So in liquid phase sintering, you use a secondary metal that is liquidous below the, below the sintering temperature of the base metal that you're starting with. So if you start with 316L, for example, um, it won't melt until about you know, 1300C, um, but you can put bronze in contact with it and it will sort of, it'll soak it up like a sponge. It'll fill all the voids. And we're seeing rates of shrinkage that are 1%. And I actually think we can get it down to 0%. Um, so rather than ending up with a part with some porosity that can be affected by longer sintering types, further densification, things like that, with this liquid phase sintering process, you're ending up with a fully solid part. Yes. And they're, they're very strong and remarkably strong. Um, and again, this isn't a new technology. This is something we've appropriated. It's been around for decades, but it's very common in some places and, uh, and not so much in others. Powder metallurgy in general is a rapidly developing technology right now. Even outside of additive manufacturing and 3D printing, just dealing with the powdered metals is you know, an explosive point of growth on the technology side of things. So it really feels like this liquid phase sintering develop it, development is the next phase in what we're able to do and what we're able to offer. And the status of that right now is that you have been able to, um, perform this liquid phase sintering and get a really, really strong part out of it a couple of times. So now we're at the, now we're at the point where we're gonna bring that to a repeatable process that we can tell others about. That's correct. And we've done pieces um, 
and this is actually something we can put hard numbers on. I'll go back and we'll do something with a bar bone or a tensile bar. We just haven't quite gotten to that point. But we are um, in the development cycle. We're at a phase where I'm able to do it, just not consistently. Um, working with Sapphire, we expect to make this into a repeatable process that we can share with our users. And the the, the end product is a very significant development in this whole concept. You wind up with a solid part with no shrinkage, which is incredibly interesting. At that point, are we comparing those parts to cast parts to machined parts? Yes, we can start to compare them. They're still going to be different. And, you know, this is something people are just going to have to start to understand that additive manufacturing is not milling, machining, or casting. It's, it's its own thing, and it kind of deserves its own category and its own way of being thought about. That's a great point. So in, in some cases, it can be a replacement, right. but it's a brand technology that is creating its own niche and its own place in the world of manufacturing. Right, and people are realizing that that you can make shapes that you could never make before. I mean, everything that we've created since the Industrial Revolution has been a cylinder on a mill or a square, or a cylinder on a lathe or a square on a mill. Um, Five-axis machining changed all that, and uh, or five-axis CNC changed that and, and made much more complex shapes accessible. But those techniques tend to be prohibitively expensive and take a lot of skill. So 3D printing comes along and in um, more specifically FFF metal by the virtual foundry and now a whole new world of shapes is available at a much lower skill level. Correct. And we think that it, it, it changes the way that things are made in, in so much that people will begin to understand that they can make things that could never make before, or they can solve problems they couldn't solve before, or they can solve problems in a way that they never knew that, that wasn't previous pos previously possible. Uh, so Autodesk just released an article about a case study that they did with the Virtual Foundry's Copper Filament and STS uh, Technical Services, which is uh, near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And in there, they were excited to be able to present their Fusion 360 software alongside our product, an STS engineering background, to to provide a low cost solution to an expensive problem. Uh, so that article was just released and um, they also presented about that in Form Next uh, 2020 about a month ago. So um, information about that is available on our website and through our mailing list. Now we, we are hosting a centering webinar this Thursday, December 10th. Uh, if you'd like to sign up for that, reach out to us at info at thevirtualfoundry.com. Right, and we'll, we'll cover all these topics in some depth and uh, it, it'll be very interesting. The project that we did, we just did a, case, we did the, we did a case study with Autodesk, but part of the longer term project with them is adding uh, support for the virtual foundry materials directly into Fusion 360. So they're developing CAM software and they call it Fusion FFF. So it'll be their contribution to FFF Metal and the virtual foundry will be right there with it. Great, I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too.
do you is there anything else you want to talk about where dog bones are concerned tonsil testing um part shape liquid face sintering right people just think outside the box think big think different and we're going to revolutionize a lot of different things here i have one more important question for you before we wrap up the podcast uh, do you know why a chicken coop has only two doors no because if it had four doors it would be a chicken sedan uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> all right thanks for your time right. uh, wraps up um volume one episode two of the virtual foundry podcast we'll see you next time